We're in our third, third part three of, of the Wonder Series. I have, you know, I've told you before, but when God wakes me up and gives me, it just lines it out for me. I say, like, yes, Lord. Because, you know, that's just, God is so good. And, and he lined this thing out for me and uh, gave me the, the picture of it and how it's supposed to unfold each week. And so this week we're unfolding some more of it. But, it, you know, the, the, the um, definition for wonder is an unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable event, something you can't explain. That's, a, that's the definition of wonder. And so two weeks ago we talked about Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, you know, and the wonder that, that took place when the angel Gabriel stood beside him in the temple and said, uh, you're going to have a son. And he's too old to have a son. His wife's too old to have a son. And he said, oh, really? <laughs> he had a lot of wonder in his heart right then. Okay, and then last week it was about Mary and how when the angel told the same angel came to Mary and said, the same, essentially, you're going to have a son. And he's going to be born of the Holy Spirit. And she said, how can this be? I've never been with a man before. There's a lot of wonder there, wouldn't you say? So this week we get to look at the life of Joseph and his encounter with God. So I want to show you a short video, and, and this will set the tone uh, for the message today. So if you turn the lights down so we can see it really well, this is a cool video, and it makes it so real. There were 14 generations between Father Abraham and King David. 14 more generations between David and the Babylonian exile. And 14 generations later, the great king would be born. A 2,000-year lineage comprised of slaves and kings, heroes and adulterers, prophets and prostitutes. They were the faithful and the faithless. So what kind of king would this be? While many dreamed of the day this king would come, it began as a real-life nightmare for one man. A good man, with God's lot cast upon him. Joseph. Joseph. I promise you, Joseph, I am telling you the truth. I'm not saying you don't believe it. I'm just saying... I don't know if I do. So, what are you saying? Take her as your wife. Take her as your wife. She's pregnant! I haven't been with her! The baby's not mine! Take Mary as your wife. I can't do this! I don't... I don't want to hurt her. But I... I can't. Joseph, you are a descendant of David. Your ancestors have taken great steps of faith, and now it is time for you to step out. Take Mary as your wife. But the baby is... What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It is prophecy fulfilled. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Emmanuel. Messiah. dream, a heavenly visitation, and what was distressing became a blessing, a blessing that would challenge Joseph's faith, 
demand every ounce of his character and forever alter the course of his life and yours. God with us. What kind of king would this be? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Kind of makes it real, doesn't it? Just like last week when I said, we're all called in, in a sense to be like Mary. We're also called to, in a sense to be like Joseph. Matthew 1, verse 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, and I know that sounds weird because it says she was betrothed to Joseph. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Before we get into the points I would like to make this morning, I'd like to explain to you that the betrothed, it was not the same as we would call engaged. There was actually a contract between families back then. It was arranged marriages. So there was a contract that was not supposed to be broken. And if the woman, even when the contract was made, they were considered husband and wife, even though it hadn't had the wedding yet, even, how, even though the marriage hasn't been consummated yet. That's why it calls him her husband here, betrothed. So it's a little bit different than our, the way we see engagement today and then the wedding and everything happens, okay? So it says in verse 19, I want you to see, it says, Joseph, her husband, being a what? A just man, a righteous man. Okay, the first thing I want us to see this morning is that the character of Joseph and how God has called us to be people of character. Say character. character. You know, we can only speculate because when you read the scriptures, it doesn't say that Mary actually told Joseph what had taken place. You'll see that in the video. That's why I love this video. And you know, we tend to romanticize this story and we forget that Joseph was an ordinary. He was just a guy. He was a carpenter. Okay? Mary was just a teenage girl. And so when we get that perspective and then you start thinking about God calling you, oh, that brings it back to home. Okay? Because we were no, we're no different than them. We're just people. We're human beings that God has called. So you, Joseph didn't, you know, we don't have any word that, that says Mary explained to him all the things that God, the angel had told her. And that because of that, Joseph was considering, what do I do with her? So the, the first thing I want us to see this morning is the reason I named this series Wonder, the first, the subtitle is called Entertain. Now, some people go, what in the world does Entertain have to do with this wonder and this story today? Well, I'll tell you, because I like to do things that line up. Okay, I'm just kind of that kind of guy. I like to, and everything in this series starts with the E. So the first week was expectation, right? And then what was last week? Anybody remember what last week was? Because I don't. <laughs> uh, what was last week? Encounter. Okay, so today is entertain. What does it mean to entertain? It means to think about something, consider something. Have you ever entertained a thought? Okay, so we're going to be talking about thoughts and we're going to talk about character. We're going to be talking about a lot of things this morning. But I want you to understand we all entertain thoughts. We need to understand this, was, this is going to be the key to the message today. But it starts out with our character. It started out with Joseph's character. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you never thought of this, or maybe you have. God was going to pick the daddy to his only son. Do you ever think about that? He, had, he was going to pick one man to father his only begotten son. Pretty big choice, wouldn't you say? I know Mary was a huge choice, but Joseph, that was a huge choice. And so the first thing we see that God went after here was that he was looking for a man of great character, a just man, a righteous man, a man that was beyond fault, a man that took, he, he, he obeyed the commandments of God. And so God was going after his character. It says he was a just man. Billy Graham said this about character. He said the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. Character and faith. Listen, Christians should be the most, we should have the, the most beautiful character of any people on the earth. 
We should be able to be trusted. We should be able to, when, some, when we say something to somebody, they believe us because we always tell the truth. We're not lying. We're not trying to trick somebody. We're not trying to con somebody. Christians should be the very essence of integrity. But sad to say, many aren't. And then the world looks at those, those Christians that don't operate in integrity, they don't have a good character, and they look at them and say, well, if that's what a Christian is, I know a lot of people that aren't Christians that live better than them, that, that act better than them, that speak better than them, that tell the truth. Man, we should be, we should be people of integrity. Say integrity. God chose, of all people He could cho- choose, He chose Joseph. And, I, and let me say, let me show you something else about Joseph that he's, that I saw in this, these, these couple of verses here. He not only chose a man of integrity and character, but he chose a man of grace. The very essence of who God is, he chose. He said, now I know we have a covenant, we have a contract. But see, he had, in that day and time, you had to divorce somebody even before you had your wedding if you're, if you had a covenant or a contract between two families. So he was going to have to divorce her. He said, what am I going to do? How can I do this without dishonoring her? How can I do this without publicly humiliating Mary? Didn't that sound a lot like Jesus? We could be publicly humiliated, and yet Jesus chose to be publicly humiliated for us when he went to the cross. Think about this. Are you a man like Joseph? Are you a woman like Joseph that you have integrity, that you have character, that you operate in grace? You're always looking for the best way to get, to, to help somebody and not the, the, not the worst way. There are situations in our lives today. Each and every one of you has situations in your lives today where people have disappointed you. I'm telling you, Mary disappointed Joseph. Um, Honey, I'm pregnant. You're what? You're what? How many of you have been disappointed by people? They came and said, I'm this. I've done that. They've hurt you. They've hurt you in secret. They've done things behind your back. Sometimes you have to, oh, you feel like there's knives in your back. Do we look at a way we can get back at them? Or do we look for a way to show grace and mercy? What is your character like this morning? Second thing I want us to see, go, let's go to verse uh, 20. Just the first part of verse 20. This is the, the crux of the message this morning. But while he, Joseph, thought about these things, just stop right there. While he thought about these things. Second thing is our thoughts. Say thoughts. When we entertain something, we're entertaining our thoughts. We're mulling things over, we're considering things. So we're going to camp at thoughts for a little bit. Because God showed me through this verse, when we're talking about wonders, He's talking about how He had to ponder this event in His life, this situation in His life. He had to think it over. He had to mull it over. He, had to, he was thinking about these things before He had the dream. Now, if you were, com- if you were confronted with an issue like this in your life, what do you first do when you start thinking about what you're going to do? You start thinking about what you're going to do. You think about what you think about, right? Everything that we choose, everything, every decision we make is always, always going to start right here. Point to your head. It's always going to start to your mind. Everything, every decision that we make, every bad decision, every good decision that starts with our thought process. This, this week, Monday, God woke me up. He said, this is what I want you to preach on. He had already laid that out. And he said, this is what I want you to share this morning. And he started giving me thought. This is like four in the morning. And I was doing like longhand. Anybody writing in longhand anymore? Anybody know what longhand is? And I started writing these scriptures down about thoughts. They're all through the Bible. There were like 26 of them. And I was just writing them down as fast as I could write them down. And I was going, whoa, 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 whoa. God, you're just talking about thoughts, 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 our minds. How, how, how you want us to capture these things in our hearts. And, and, and take, you know, when he talks about our minds, many times he says the word heart in the Bible. He's talking about your mind. We don't really actually think with our heart. We think with our mind. And those words are interchangeable. Most of the scriptures are interchangeable. So this morning, I want us to talk just a little bit, a little bit about our thought processes. 
All our choices begin right there. Every choice you ever make, you think about it first. I don't care when you drive home today. You're going to be thinking about which street should I turn on. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you go, you're mindless, and you drive home, and go, how did I get there? But I promise you, you thought about it, and you didn't even think you were thinking about it. You think about everything. What, what, what would you like to eat? Well, then you start the thinking process. Well, let's go to El Pisano's. Oh, I think that would be good. And somebody else said, well, I think we're not. We start, everything begins with the thought process. Why do you think God wants to have control of our minds then? He didn't want us to control our minds because we don't do very good with our minds. It says in the Word that we have the mind of Christ. And I always thought, how in the world can we have the mind of Christ? Because we're not very smart. But when you really search that scripture, he's talking about we have the, it's more the character of Christ that, that affects the decisions that we make. The mind of Christ. Every decision, everything that we think, everything that we do starts in our minds. God wants us to think. He wants us to make choices just the way he would. When we make a decision, he wants it to be a decision that he's already made for us that he wants us to make. I'm talking to the youth this morning. Listen, when you go to certain places, you're thinking about where you're going. When you say certain things, you're thinking about what you're about, about to say. And God many times will say, stop. Put a guard on your heart. Stop what you're thinking. And we just bleh, blurt it right out anyway. We call it no filter. Anybody know anybody with no filter? I think the older you get, the less your filter works. Just saying. It all begins with the, who we choose to listen to. Just ask Adam and Eve. Who are you going to listen to? Well, Eve listened to the serpent. And then she said, Adam, I want you to listen to the serpent too. And the enemy came and he told them what they should do. Was that God's thoughts or was that, man, was that the enemy's thoughts? So just ask them about choices and about what you're thinking about. Because they started processing the thought. They, they had a, a thought process. Should I eat that fruit? Man, that looks good. Well, I don't know. But the, the, that snake over there, anybody listening to snakes, not that smart. But anyway, that snake said if we, we eat that, our eyes will be opened. We won't really need God anymore. Man, well, our eyes will be open. And we make fun of Adam and Eve, but we do the same things all the time. We get presented with something, temptation, and, and the enemy tricks us into thinking it's going to be a good thing when it's not. When God chose to end the world with a flood, I want you to see a verse in, in Genesis 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent, say every intent, and of the thoughts... The thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, I know people think, well, we're in the end times. It's bad. Uh, we're not even close to where they were. Not even close. When every evil, every thought all the time was evil all the time continually. And God said, I, we, I can't put up with this anymore. And he found one man, Noah, that was righteous. And he sent the flood that destroyed the earth, that destroyed people. Destroyed people said, I'm going to start over. Every thought. I'm not going to go and give you the address or the scripture verses. I'm just going to tell you some things the enemy wants to do about your thought life. He wants to blind your minds. He wants you to be double-minded. He wants me to be double-minded. He wants us to be more mindful of men than we are mindful of God. He wants to poison our minds. This is Scripture. He wants to poison your minds in my mind. He wants our conscience to be defiled. He wants our minds to be controlled by our flesh. Why do you think God said to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Why do you think he said that? Because he knew that the enemy was going to come after our mind. Because our mind controls every thought, every decision that we make. It's coming from here. 
Why do you think God said He wanted us to be continually renewed in our minds? Not to be conformed with this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of our what? Our minds. He said to set our minds on things above, not on the earth. He said to meditate on good things. You want to hear the answer to everything? This is it. Do what He says to do. Go to 2 Corinthians 10. And I made a mess up here. This is a passage you need to highlight in your word. You need to learn it. You need to read it. You need to meditate on it. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. It's the Apostle Paul. Hey, Rudy, how you doing? How's your eye? Better? Amen. You ready? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That word carnal means worldly. But mighty in God. Say mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds. Now listen to this. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And what do you think the enemy does? He's always telling you, don't believe that, don't believe that, that's not true, don't go with that. Listen, I've got a better way for you. He's always saying the wrong things. And we, we get sucked into his lies. You know, a lot of people say, well, the devil's really been after me this week. I'm, I'm going to tell you, don't, don't puff yourself up that the devil's coming after you. He's in the Middle East or he's in Hollywood or he's in Washington, D.C., but he's not in San Angelo. But he's got a lot of people working for him. He's got a lot of bad angels working for him. But here's the thing. Satan, all he wants to do is plant a lie, then he's gone. All he's got to get you to do is believe a lie, then he's out of there because he's already, you've already set in motion, he's already set in motion your life and the decisions you'll make if you believe the lies that he's, that he's perpetuated in your life. All you gotta do is believe one lie. That it's okay to lie. <laughs> oh, just one little white lie. I, I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna tell the truth because this will make them feel bad. So we just take one lie. But the IRS doesn't really need to know everything I make. It's none of their business. I don't need to tell my wife about that other woman. I'll just hurt her feelings. Hmm. Casting down arguments. You ever have an argument in your head going on? Somebody trying to convince you of something? Argument going on in your head? Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? That's the devil. He's going to try to exalt everything above the knowledge of God. He's going to try to make you think everything's important but God. He's going to try to make you think that everything's better and more important than His Word. There are many people today that call themselves Christians. They haven't darkened the house of God in years because something somebody told them, well, it's not really important to go to church. We'll just do church here. You know how many people actually do church at home? Oh man, I, would, I wish I wish we had a survey of everybody that says well, we just do church at home. Bringing every thought. Listen, every thought. Say thought. How many thoughts? Bringing every thought into what? Captivity to the what? The obedience of Christ. Every thought, every thought to what? The obedience of Christ. How do you, how in the world can we do that? How is that even possible that we take every thought to the obedience and we take it captive to the obedience of Christ? Is that an impossible task that he's asked us to do? I'm telling you this, it starts with your commitment, your submission, your yielding to God. It starts, to, it starts with you getting into the Word of God and knowing what's right and what's wrong. It, it starts when you worship God and you, you lay yourself before Him and you bow before Him and say, God, I want to hear from you. It, it, it begins when you say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. 
It, it begins when you cut out all the crap that the world wants to give you and start listening to Christ. Because the world is going to flood you. They're flooding us with the evil, with the poison. It's all around us, church. And if we're not taking those thoughts captive, those, those thoughts will take you captive. See, here's, here's one, here's a thing that I, 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 I let me give you some from, uh, uh, an idea of how to do something. You know those little, you know cartoons that have the little thing over the head with the little, little, little bubble thing? And like when somebody's thinking something, you remember Beavis and Butthead, right? And the little thing would come over his head, but there'd be nothing in it. Because <laughs> he couldn't, he wasn't thinking. That's, uh, I mean, that's my husband. He, what are you thinking about, honey? Nothing. <laughs> But that's true. Sometimes we're not thinking about nothing. <laughs> I heard Jeff Foxworthy say that. <laughs> it's true. We, we, our, our wives try to get something out of us. What do you think? You look like you're in deep thought. What do you think? Nothing. <laughs> Just blank. Picture that over your head and the thoughts come in and they're not good thoughts. And Picture yourself capturing it. Here's what you do when you capture that bad thought. You grab it, and you take it. Well, the cross is covered up with a sign, with a screen. You take it to the cross, and you leave it there. You lay it at the cross. As many times as it takes, that lustful thought, <laughs> no, you're not going to get me there again. I am free from that. God, you freed me from that. I take that thought captive. I put it at the foot of the cross. You died for that thought. Take it captive. Capture that thought. Do it as many times as you have to. Take it to the foot of the cross. Say, thank you, Lord. See, a lot of people think they've sinned when they thought something. You haven't actually sinned yet when you've been tempted. You, you sin. You can actually sin without actually doing something by thinking it through, the end result of it. You can actually sin in your mind. But if the thought comes and you go, uh-uh, no, not going to go there. Satan, you've, you've lost that. You've lost that battle. You take that, you take that thought. You take it to the obedience of Christ. Listen to what he says. I, I started to stop at five, but he says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, you don't look at that sin and say, oh, that's a, that's not a bad sin. Every sin is a bad sin. God abhors sin. He hates sin. And he wants us to abhor sin and hate sin. And so when we have those thoughts, that's disobeying God when we start entertaining those thoughts and hold on to those thoughts instead of giving them to Christ, taking them to the foot of the cross and obeying Him. He wants us to walk in obedience and He knows that the obedience starts up here, church. See, you can look good on the outside all day long and have such junk going up here and garbage going up here. And eventually, you'll act that garbage out. Eventually. So what do we do? We repent. This is just, this may be not revelation to you, but God just showed me this, and this is just was awesome. Acts 8, 22. There was a sorcerer and uh Peter was preaching and he got saved and then, then, the, then the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit took place and that sorcerer, you know what he said? He said, I want that gift. How much, how much can I pay you for that gift? He was wanting to buy something. He was wanting to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit with money. And this is what Peter, Peter was so nice and cordial with him. He said, repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. You don't think his thought process was wicked? Look, it says it right here. He said, repent. Now, here's, what, here's, the, here's the catch. Here's what repent means. It doesn't mean, I know everybody's been taught this. If you're Baptist, you heard it from, since you are a little kid. Repent means, oh, oh, sh- repent. Well, that's a great, that's one great definition of repentance. But the better definition of repentance is to change the way you think. The thought process, the thoughts of your heart. 
Because I'll tell you, I know people that have turned away from the whatever's drugs or alcohol, but it, and they walk the other way, but their mind is still back there. They're still thinking, I want another drink. I want another hit. I want another, I want something. Their, their mind has not changed. Some, I see some people, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about, pastor. You know, you, you, you've been, you don't look at pornography anymore, but you're thinking about it all the time. But, oh, but I don't look at it anymore. Right? So you haven't had a mind change. You haven't had a repentant heart. And he's called us to repent. He's called us to change the way we think. Somebody asked me, how, how do you describe repentance? And the best, the best example I can give you is in Acts, when, the, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and he said, and he was preaching to all these people that thought that Jesus was a heretic, a criminal, he deserved to be punished, he deserved to go to the cross, he deserved to die a wicked death. And here's Peter preaching to them, you killed him! You killed Messiah! And they said, what must we do? What must we do? What must we do? And he said, you need to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. In other words, they had to go from that day thinking Jesus was a criminal to Jesus was Christ. That he was a mess and now he's a Messiah. That one day, that one moment, that's repentance. Because that repentance cost them everything. They were laying it all down that day. See, we don't want to lay anything down in America. We want to lay it down for a minute or two, or a day or two. Then we want to pick it up later when nobody's looking. It's very quiet in here. Repent, therefore, of your witness. Pray, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Well, I'm here to tell you that when you repent, God does forgive you. And he doesn't just forgive you, he forgets. See, a lot of us, we equate repentance with forgiveness. It's not the same thing. You can do something and ask God to forgive you, and then you can go do it again, ask Him to forgive you. And you can do it again, ask Him to forgive you. That's what a lot of us do. Oh, just God, I'm going to never do it again. I promise. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I'll forgive you, son. Oh, good. I can go do it again now. It's not repentance. It's just forgiveness. We have a lot of people that get forgiven, but they don't repent. And I'm hammering this home because it's important. Okay? We live in a time where the world inundates us. There's so many avenues to poison our minds. The minds of our children and our grandchildren. You know, I, I hope you're praying for Pastor CJ and all of his workers. I hope you're praying for them. Because they're the the child the youth that they work with even our children and our children the the things that they are inundated barraged with with the poison that's in the airways that's on the computers that's when they turn on the television i was watching a, i was watching a primetime nbc show the other day and they said gd i said i'm watching that anymore uh, gd on a primetime show that we enjoyed but see, it started seeping in. They started bringing it in so our kids won't think anything of it. Now, we might get upset about it and turn off the television. I wrote them a letter. I, it may not ever get to anybody, but I wrote them a letter. I said, listen, I don't appreciate you uh, saying this about my Savior. And I said, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to offend somebody because I said, you know, if you said Muhammad in the same way they said God, they would bomb your, they would bomb your studios. Because, oh, but that's okay. We can say GD. We can say Jesus. We can say all those things. But we're not going to say anything about Muhammad. And my own live stream, that's just cool. But when's the last time you stood up and said, no, -uh, I'm not going to put up with that? Write him a letter. Because they think it's okay now. There's only a couple of good shows left on TV unless you've got cable. You can watch some of these good British shows where they don't say anything bad. <laughs> Or Hallmark. I just can't take any more of those Christmas Hallmark shows. Oh, my goodness. Oh, gee. Oh. They're all exactly the same. Honey, please, no more Hallmark, please. Now they got two channels of them. Oh, goodness. But we've been so desensitized by the world. 
Exactly the way Satan would want it to be. Exactly the way that he'd want us to be. Because our minds have been poisoned. You talk to people now, their conscience has been defiled. They look at you like you're crazy if you talk to them about a Savior. Or there are consequences to sin. They look like, eh, what are you talking about? Their minds have been seared, poisoned, defiled. And sad to say, we've sat by and let a lot of it happen. Verse 20. Looking at the clock. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to you. Take to you, Mary, your wife. See, he's already the angels straightening them out in a dream. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. You shall name him Jesus. Call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stay on this point, the third point, much because Pam did a great job teaching on dreams uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I think she's going to continue at some point and continue a follow-up on dreams. But I just want to tell you this. You know why God now is speaking to so many people in dreams? Because there's so much noise during the day. Can't get your attention during the day. Can't get my attention during the day. I've got something going. We've got, we, we got praise and worship music going 24-7, so we can't hear God. <laughs> oh, Pastor, you're speaking against Caleb? <laughs> Did you know that you can worship worship music? Oh, just love worship music. Listen, do, do you love God the way you love worship music? Because He wants you to love Him first. And so, uh, why, he, He's called us, church, to listen to His voice. And it, it's, we can't get still enough during the day or in the morning hours or at night. He'll speak to us in our dreams. How many of you are dreamers? Okay, I better, let me do this. How many of you don't dream? Okay, If you don't dream right now, I just want to bless you to start dreaming. Before you go to bed now, say, Lord, give me a dream. And here, here's just quickly, let me tell you, God speaks to us in dreams. And I know a, a lot of people go, well, that was a pizza dream or that was a jalapeno dream. But, you know, I don't, I don't dismiss those either because God can speak to us through the jalapenos in the pizza. Can't he? Isn't he God? Pay attention. Let me give you some uh, quick uh, advice. Pay attention, especially if it's in color. Okay? If it's in color. If you wake up, man, and she was wearing a blue dress and he was wearing a white red shirt, pay attention to that. Write it down. Write down your dreams. Ask God to show you what the dreams mean. And if you don't know what they mean, call Mary Lou because she has a dream book. Well, it's the Holy Spirit too. I know. But there are a lot of things that are, are kind of... Uh, there's a continuity in dreams of certain things and objects in dreams. Like, like if it's a vehicle, sometimes it, many times it just means ministry. So like if you're on a tricycle, your ministry is probably just like, just starting out. But like if you're in like a jet ski, jet boat or something, your ministry is really taking off. Okay. If, if you're in on the side of the road and you got flat tires, you're in trouble. Okay. But take, take, uh, jot down the things that you, heard in the dream ask the holy spirit to show you what it is and then talk to people visit with people that love to interpret dreams okay so it's apparent that joseph was kind of like i gotta i've got to figure out something to do with mary and then he had a dream god spoke to him in a dream he said that's the messiah okay verse 24 that's a close up no, 22, excuse me. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Fourth thing, which you see is prophecy. God speaks to us through prophecy. Ron was supposed to be here today. He had to go back home. He had um, um, miscommunication with his wife, so he had to leave and go home. Yesterday he was here uh, Thursday and Friday and part of Saturday. He said, I was going to give him a, a, a shot at this part of it. But here's the thing. Many of you have been prophesied over. I've been prophesied over. It's important that you pay attention to prophecy. We're a five-fold ministry church. A lot of people go, what is that? Well, we believe in that prophets and, and uh, apostles are still uh, uh, 
still operational today. They're still functioning today. It didn't end when the Bible was concluded with the New Testament, when the Revelation was finished. That we, we believe that when he says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, all five, he didn't just say, oh, all five, but those two. So we're going to go with the three. It's not my Bible. He said that's who he gave this, all of those ministry to equip the saints. That's all of us. He's equipping us through that. But one, it's prophetic. And when Ron Campbell, when we met Ron Campbell, we didn't know anything about prophecy. And he prophesied over us, and we didn't know what he was doing when he was saying this stuff. And we didn't know about writing it down, but we got through, and we went outside and really had some, she started writing down some things. Said, Man, this is crazy. What is he talking about? Then we invited Ron to come be a part of our, our church. He became, he came and would prophesy over people. And all the prophecies he's ever prophesied over our church as a whole have all come true. All of them. All of them. But here's the thing. We had, we had to partner with the prophecy. We had to believe that what he said was true. And we were going to grab hold of what he said. He was the one that said, let this building die. And we were like, no. He said, but God's going to, if God resurrects it, it'll be of him. It won't be of you. So you need to pay attention to prophecy when you're prophesied over. And be sure that you weigh it. Get confirmation. Especially if you don't know the person. It's prophesying over you. Don't just go, oh, that must be true. I'm going to go marry the next person that walks through the door. People have done that. The drunk mailman came. Okay, that's my husband. No. Moving on. 24. Then Joseph, this is the other part. That, besides the thoughts, this is the most important part. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Number five is ta-da, obedience. Obedience. Simple obedience. We say this almost every week. Simple obedience. Last week we heard no, yeah, when when Mary was told that she was going to be she was chosen to be the, the woman to bear the, the baby Jesus, right? She had a choice to make. And she chose to listen to God and obey God. Joseph has a choice to make here. He could have believed, he could believe the angel. He could have believed the dream. And he could have got up from the dream like we saw in the video and gone, Wow, that was like real. I believe that God wants me to be the daddy to Jesus. I believe he wants me to marry Mary. And, and, and even though she's, I think he wants me to do this. But not, I am not going to do that. There is no way I'm going to do that. I will lose my reputation. I'll be risking everything. I'll be kicked out of the church. I will be the ridicule of the neighborhood when they say, hey, there's Joseph. He said that wasn't his baby. Oh, my gosh. He could have said no, couldn't he? He could have believed the word and said no. But it says when he woke up, he did just like the angel told him. How many times has God said, this is what I want you to do? And we said, that must have been for somebody else, Lord. I'm not capable. I'm not worthy. I'm not smart enough. And we make all the excuses in the world and we don't obey God. And God says, would you just listen to me? Just do what I... Listen, if Joseph would have said no, I mean, I don't know the, who the next person would have been. God would have found somebody. God already knew, of course. How many times have you told God no? How many times have you, God's put something in your heart to do or gave you a dream, had a calling on your life, and you said, I believe you, God. I believe you're here for me. I believe you can, I believe you can do that, but I'm just not ready. I, I don't think I can do that now. We tell God no. We think it's okay. It's not okay. He's called us to be obedient. He's called us to be people of integrity. He's, he's called us to be people that our thoughts are brought into the line with the kingdom of God and the thoughts of Christ. And he said, when you hear the word of God, when you hear my calling on your life, obey me. Just obey me. God knew what he was doing when he called out Joseph. And he knows what he's doing when he called you out. I want to read that again. This is my profound thought. God knew what he was doing when he called out Joseph and he knows what he's doing when he calls you and me out. Don't discount God's call on your life. Okay? 
we could be ordinary people, but we have an extraordinary God. They can do extraordinary things through people that are obedient and willing to submit to Him. You remember when Moses, and this is the closing. You remember when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments and he was up there too long and they kind of got restless down, down below the mountain? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. It's one of those crazy stories you think, these people are really stupid, you know? He's like, seriously? They started out, hey, I know what we'll do since Moses hasn't been back yet. Let's melt all of our gold and build an image of a calf. We'll worship the calf. I mean, really? I just want to talk to those people sometimes. Like, what is wrong with you? And he comes down off the mountain and he's like, he's horrified that they're doing this. And so when Nehemiah has rebuilt the wall and he called all the people back. In verse 16 of Nehemiah chapter 9. It says this, but they and our fathers, he's talking about the people at the, at the foot of the mountain. But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks and did not heed your commandments. Now look at verse 17. They refused to obey and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. They hardened their heart, but they hardened their necks and in their rebellion they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. Now this is the part I want you to hear, church. Because we've all been in rebellion at one time or another. You may be there right now. Listen to this. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. Would you stand? You see, God hasn't changed. Ministry team, could you come? God hasn't changed. He knows every person's heart in here. He knows your thoughts. He knows your character. He knows everything about you. But here's, here's where I want to encourage you this morning. No matter what's going on up here, He's still ready to pardon you. He's still ready to take you back. He is gracious. He is merciful. He's not angry at you. Would y'all just say that? God's not angry at me. He's abundant in kindness. And He will never forsake you. Never forsake us. No matter where you're at this morning, I would just want you to know that. God doesn't change. Would you bow your heads this morning? Joyce Meyer calls the mind, it's a battlefield of the mind. And many of you this morning, man, you've been battling even to pay attention and listen because the enemy wants you to, he wants to distract you. That's one of his big ploys is to distract us from hearing. But God's, he breaks through that this morning and speaks life to you renewed minds over you would you allow him to renew your mind today would you purpose in your heart to get back in the word and allow him to transform and renew your mind would you not let the enemy have another day of victory in your mind telling you you're worthless you're no good you'll never amount to anything you're beyond help because that's not who God says you are. He's the God that loves you, that's ready to pardon you. He's the God that says, I am not going to leave you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you run from me. I'm running right there with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. And you may run away from him, but I promise you, he's right there. He's like a shadow. He's not going to let you go. So if you're, if that's you this morning, you feel like, man, I have disappointed the Lord. I have not, my mind is not pure. 
I want to bless you this morning that your mind becomes renewed by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit to fill you. That you start making choices that honor God. You take captive those thoughts that are not of God. You take them to the cross. Father, for that person or person that is here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, today is their day. May this be the day that they recognize, I need you. They would step out and come and give their life to Christ. Father, for those that are battling, Father, we ask that they come and be encouraged and prayed for today. That their mind would be renewed. Father, for those that have been diagnosed with something that's beyond them that the doctors can't fix. And they say, I need a miracle, Lord, that they would know that you are still in the miracle working business. You are still the healer. And Father, for those that have hit the wall spiritually, that have said, I, I just can't make any, I just, just can't make any sense of it anymore. And if this is ever if this is it, I, I I need something else. And today they will say, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They need to go deeper. They need to go farther. Father, this is their day. Thank you, Jesus. Move in this place. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything this morning, we'll invite you to come. We want to pray for you quickly. Don't wait. Step out and come. Step out and come. We have people in the back, ministry team in the back and the front. We had one salvation this morning during communion. I love that. I love that. Bible says when one sinner repents one sinner repents there's a party in heaven so that's we had a party in heaven today for that person that repented and gave their life to Christ step out and come if you need prayer this morning more ministry team step out and come and if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit I encourage you to come to Mary Lou and myself when we were 47 we kind of came to the place of is this all there is? If this is all there is and I'm just going to kind of try to make it the rest of my life powerless and God said no I've got something for you that's going to be a benefit to other people I'm going to pray for you today that's you salvations we want to pray for you today healing we want to pray for you today step out and come